Welcome to the Overtime Podcast, along with Matt Harrington. I'm Pete Wagner. It's time to go, isn't it, Matt? I mean, we've got it on. It's high school hockey. The girls have started. We've had three really scintillating weeks of action, haven't we? It's been a lot of fun, Pete, and we got the boys underway now, so that'll add to the mix. And you're right. It just uh, it, the season doesn't wait for you. You can feel it, it's going. You can feel the sharks are circling in the waters right now. Absolutely. Just just churning for content. <laughs> Well, we've got right. it here at, here at MN Hockey yeah, we TV. We have plenty of it. It's going to be really good. Good, Great year. That girls game, I think about the one Brandon had the other day, which featured um, Andover and Minnetonka. <laughs> that was a really good game. Incredible Great game. tempo. I, uh, the play through center ice was ridiculous. I, I'm like, is anybody playing any <laughs> defensive hockey here? Yeah. So it was really good. And uh, Andover prevails there 4-3. We, by the way, on our YouTube channel, I posted what we're calling now the condensed game. I like that. Kind of like MLB. For sure. So we're going to get into all of that, uh, the high school league. We have the Tonka Thanksgiving preview that we're on uh, this weekend. We're uh, going to do the... Um, uh, other games throughout the area. We opened with Hibbing, Chisholm, and Grand Rapids. Did you see the crowd that assembled at Him- uh, Hibbing Memorial Arena? I did. It That's looks impressive. like a very good crowd. Yeah. yeah. Blake Mortensen was absolutely on, on point and sure. in a groove. His brother, Blaine, had a beautiful two-on-one-ish, two-on-oh, where, where he caught the, the puck to the, fo- uh, the backhand and pulled it. Uh, the goaltender, he had a wide-open net and, and missed. Um, but I got to give him credit. He withheld his composure, Blake, of course, his younger brother Blaine. So that was that was fun and entertaining, and uh, yeah, we've got great stuff. Uh, we have the uh, turkey trot going from the Plymouth Ice Center this upcoming weekend. Phil Stark will be making his debut in boys high school hockey for us. He does a pretty nice job. He does, and he's a very talented uh, public address announcer as well. Yeah, well, I wasn't sure how that was going to translate because yeah. usually you can go back from the booth down to ice side and do mm-hmm. the public address. That's easy. Sometimes those guys don't really translate up top, and I, I was a little bit nervous, but I got to tell you, it was pretty. And he he did some games from home from the Elite Prospect Cup Series that we did in Pittsburgh recently, and I'm like, okay, if you can do it from home on the monitor, it's like, yep. that, you know, right? That's so good. So uh, let's just talk some other sports real quick before we get into bringing in Sean Bloomfield, the head coach of the Chanhassen Storm. That, of course, ahead of the big Tonka Thanksgiving preview where they're going to hit the ground running against the defending and loaded state champion Andover Huskies. Yeah, two top 10 teams going at it. Three it's, o'clock on the TV. Can't miss it. Afternoon, Friday afternoon hockey. <laughs> Matinee affair. Yeah. Uh, then later, Minnetonka, with their highly touted uh, retooled lineup, will be taking on the uh, uh, Rochester Mayo Spartans, which should be a good one as well. Uh, let's turn our attentions first to that Minnesota Viking win against the New England Patriots. I found that to be an absolutely fascinating game. I thought I saw there were, were 12 times... I saw that graphic. Points were scored. It either tied or took the lead for a team. And think about all those lead changes. Yeah. And well, and I think just the entire day of Thanksgiving football, we had the great uh, game between Buffalo and Detroit. Last second uh, field goal with the winner. And then, of course, the Cowboys and the Giants was a pretty good game as well. By the way, here's your stat of the day. Sick of the Cowboys. (laughs) I know you are. Uh, Here's your stat of the day. This is the first time that all three of the Thanksgiving games were one score games thank the lord since 1926 because they've been brutal and there were two most of the time she had you know a pretty good shot of of that the team this is interesting i really wanted to see detroit win i did yeah however there's a part of me inside the back of my head that would have cheapened the vikings antics in buffalo i get that oh okay now that you know but but Detroit really is looking good, like they've turned the corner. That was that was fun to watch and a good game. And Tony Romo, um, by the way, I was asking somebody this: why 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 would you move Phil Sims on for that? What was wrong with that? I I don't think it was anything against Phil Sims. I think it was more of Tony Romo brings more to the to the broadcast. I don't know, almost too much. I I'm a Tony Romo. You fan. like the yelling. I, I think we're almost. You like the smiling, yelling. So he's smiling when he's yelling the whole time. He's good. Ah, so okay, Jim Nance. He's also terrific. Uh, how did you feel about Jason Garrett in the booth? 
I like Jason Garrett as color commentator. He and TD were terrific. I, I think they were great. Yeah, I love Chris Collinsworth. CC is my boy. Mm-hmm. But uh, those two guys did well. And and Tariko really played off them well. Yeah, Tariko's solid as well. Uh, Justin Jefferson. Man, special. It's kind of weird. Like, you know, I mean, he was, what, the third receiver taken from LSU? Or, you know, like, yep. he was the third in the pecking order there. And it's incredible. It's been an amazing to see pick. how he's really, um, you know, you look at Jalen Rager and you go, oh, wow. I mean, just to pick apart. Right. And, you know, I think Rager's certainly going to get more of that opportunity now with the Vikings than he had with the Eagles. But I think you, you still look at that and go, wow, what an amazing pick that was. It's still a first rounder, but granted later in the first round, so. Minnesota Wild uh, win a couple in a row at home. They improved to what I believe ten eight and one now. Sounds about right. Right yep. in that neighborhood, you know, have been living on the verge of being the cusp of a playoff team. Um, you know, a couple wins. But what's been really encouraging for me is Frederick Gustafson looked. A, I'm fine. Or, I'm sorry. What was I say? I was, I, yeah. You know, I was merging him with Frederick Cadrell. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, Philip uh, Gustafson uh, looked. A little oh good, but boy, he let in some bizarre stuff. He's gotten really steady and firm. I think he's he's proved positive of a guy with NHL potential to play goal. Give him the opportunity and just keep rolling with him. They have a choice. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, Zane McIntyre is fine, but as a backup. But it sounds like uh, Mark Andre Fleury could be activated and playing today against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. There's the another matinee game for with, you. With newly acquired Ryan Reeves in the lineup, who's allegedly going to clear space. Can I ask a question? How yes. does a guy that's playing on fourth line clear space for the first line when he's not out <laughs> on the first line? I mean, I've always laughed at that. Unless yeah. you're directly playing with those two, how does that work? I don't know. I it mean, doesn't. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. But it gives an attitude. For sure. And it certainly will make you have to be held accountable. For any shenanigans, uh, but it also, I think, makes um, guys that aren't tough guys tougher when they have a tough guy like that in the lineup. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It it, it uh, carries all throughout the lineup, up and down. I think it'll give them that spark that they've been looking for. There is some concern whether or not he can get up and down the wing anymore. I mean, he's 35. Yeah. He's huge. Mm-hmm. But apparently he's a great character, good locker room guy. For sure. That's what you want to bring in. Kaprizov still continues to amaze. Yeah, I mean, what a pick that was, I still right? think he's the best player in the league. I don't know if I go quite that far. He's up there, for sure. I mean, I, I, what does McDavid do that he doesn't? Really, I mean, look, look at look at the impact on team. This team was floundering. This guy finally gets things sorted out, gets here, instant credibility. That guy has been working the same song and dance for how long up there? With first-round picks peppered around him. Well, well good for him. They've been to a conference final more recently than the Wild have. Well, so it, it's been, what, a year and a half for Kaprizov. It's been, what, seven for this guy? This guy has, uh, I will say this, that McDavid has the best individual skill set in the league in terms of making room for himself. You know, the McDavid, you know, where, you, where you're popping it through sticks and you're jumping and you're darting and you're doing those things. No question. Mm-hmm. But... As far as being on the puck, the board battles from Kaprizov is incredible. His stick defensively when the puck's turned over and forcing turnovers, you don't see McDavid like that. You just don't. They're different players, but I think the impact Caprice have. How does Ryan Hartman score 30-some goals? I mean, come on. (laughs) There's not a guy like that that I've ever seen come through the Oilers lineup in the McDavid era, they've moved guys on that were first overall picks mm-hmm. that weren't getting better. If those guys played with Kaprizov, they'd have 30, 40, 50 goals. I'm saying he's the best player in the world. I, I don't think, care. I I'll think, take it to the bank. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you this. I agree with you in that sense that he, the skill set that he brings and that you mentioned the board battles. I mean, I, I agree with you. Certainly. I think he's absolutely right up there. In the conversation, do I think he's the best player in the league? Not quite, 
but I still think you're you're not outlandish in saying okay, that. Okay, thank you. I, I appreciate the minor endorsement. Of course. That's of course. What, all I'm saying is is that it comes down to whenever I bring it up, people will just throw McDavid at me. And I'm like, you know, he's a he's a fine skilled player, probably the most skilled player in the league, and he and mm-hmm. he's good at making room for himself. Everybody, That's all I'm saying. And if you like that, if you like the one-on-one NBA game, then go watch the NBA. <laughs> right? Speaking of which, what's going on there at Target Center? Well, the Timberwolves are uh, five in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but so, I mean, it's so saying, like, have they turned it? Yeah, to me, it's still a little too early, but boy, the uh, the the nervousness and the freakout mode was fully on about a week and a half ago. It was really uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I mean, but you'd watch the games, and you're like, it's just, it, the, the, I disjointed would be the term I would use. Yeah, I'd agree. And it, it, it seemed, it, to me, it, it felt like, and I don't know the game worth anything. I'm being honest, I've covered hockey and baseball and football my entire life, and I haven't really, because the two, hockey and basketball, kind of, I, I, I watched it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I watched enough to be dangerous. But it just seemed like 32 was um, looking a little bit confused in his role with the other big man. It's definitely taken some time to get get used to that, and I think it still will as we continue on. But, uh, you know, you have to like the, the five wins in a row. I you, mean, you do. I, I think if you're a three-point shooting team and you don't have Steph Curry and all the other guys, the supporting staff, the best three-point shooter in what in the history of the NBA, if you don't have that, you're going to, if you're hot, you're going to win your five in a row, and then you're going to lose your five in a row. And I think we saw that in the uh, Grizzlies series where you'd have your moments, but when it came crunch time, hopefully that's what Rudy Gobert can do. So five in a row, very pleased there. Final topic before we get into Sean Bloomfield and our next uh, upcoming uh, interviews. Uh, we're here from Joe Pankratz. We're going to talk uh, about his upco- his league that's been absolutely tearing it up. So I'm looking forward to that, the Red-Black League, which is awesome. Uh, Minnesota Twins. Um, you know, you can't really... It's art. It's an easel. You can't really judge the painting until it's completed, right? But... You look at this and you go, okay, they brought in Farmer. Is he an insurance policy for not being able to get Correa re-signed? Boy, I hope not. Uh, That's a bad... You, bad you, uh... you, you look at the starting rotation, the front end of it. Um, you've got a guy in um, Maley who is um, damaged goods, um, hurt. They couldn't find any inflammation or damage in the shoulder, but hurt. Okay, oops. <laughs> Uh, you, you've got uh, Sonny Gray, who hasn't pitched more than 150 innings. Well, nobody in the Twins has in the in this regime, let's be honest. They have no workhorses. They don't believe in it. It's clear. So you've got that as your number one and two. Oh, good. Um, where's Paddock? Oh, wait, he can't pitch. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, Bailey Ober has been hurt. He doesn't have a ton of innings at the major league level. He's in the staff. Joe Ryan's looking like the most uh, durable, dependable guy in the lineup, and he's a two-year player. Love him. We'll see what goes there. We'll see when they injure him because that's what appears to be happening. <laughs> well, I mean, how, how can you argue that? No, yeah, you're not wrong, honestly. Well, you saw that they uh, fired their head athletic trainer, and how much of a change does that make? I'm not sure. I, I think we covered that a few shows back. Mm-hmm. You fire the athletic trainer. And then when you're firing him, you're saying, well, it's not all his fault. Then why are you firing him? Right, right. Um, I still believe firmly it's how they manage their pitching staff. I think it has everything to do with throwing. Uh, when you look at how the Atlanta Braves did things back in the 90s when they had Avery and Glavin and uh, Maddox and that whole whole crew. I can't remember the name of the pitching coach. Look him up. Braves pitching coach, 1994, 5, 3, whatever. Um, he used to like shake, he, he'd like go straight, like body, like rocks back and forth during the game, but he had a throwing program where they probably threw more than any other pitching staff in baseball because the belief was they were keeping the muscle maintained. And obviously the new science says, don't do that. And we're basically running pitch counts that are less than high school baseball on these guys in Minnesota and they're hurt more. They just are. Yeah. Look at, look at the pitching staffs in major league baseball and their lack of innings pitched. It doesn't lie. So what are you guys doing or what's wrong with this picture? That's all. Yeah, no, I you're not wrong. I mean, the statistics speak for themselves when you look at the injuries that they've had. I, th- I can't remember the, exactly what the graphic was, but it showed just 
I mean, the amount of days spent on the IL for the Twins, way more than any other team. Okay, so if they're getting hurt, does that have anything to do with your training staff? Or are you saying that the head trainer basically was responsible for not nursing them back to care? I think it's... Or was it how you used your staff, how your throwing program is non-existent if... I don't know what it is. It's just all you have to do is just look at it and say, what the heck is this? Yeah. So let me ask you this. If you're a free agent pitcher and you're looking at options, are you going to go to Houston? Are you going to go to New York? Are you going to go to L.A., San Diego? Are you going to go there or are you going to go to Minnesota? Let's be honest. Is, is Minnesota really an attractive option right now? Not the, way no. they hurt, not the way pitchers are hurt. Yeah, I would say, you know, a one-year deal could ruin your career based off of the track record of every pitcher they've bought in, brought in here. Remember when uh, Ricky Nolasco had the uh, uh, ankle impingement? How could I forget? I was at the game. R- were you? Yeah, oh, we had Ricky Nolasco. Ooh. <laughs> he comes out there, it's second inning, and all of a sudden he looked like he threw an arm ball, so he, <laughs> he stands up and he's out, and he's done for the year, and he's out vacationing overseas. <laughs> It's just, I, I just don't get it, you know. So yeah, I have a problem with all of that. And then I look at the infield. I don't understand why you why you traded Gio Urshela. He was your most dependable player late in clutch bat. He was the best defensive third baseman I've seen here in forever. The guy is a just absolute magic man over there. You got to admit that that was For really sure. impressive. He seems to love the game. He seems to be really connected to his teammates, and he just does what he needs to do to win. He's a winner, and you move him. It hurts. So basically, you rented he and Sanchez by dumping Donaldson's uh, salary, and I don't know what other, if you got some minor league scraps that you're doing. I don't know. I, I just, I don't, you know, this topic came up over Thanksgiving. No politics. Sports only at our table. Mm-hmm. And um, the topic came up of, I didn't ask it. Somebody else said, I would never go down to Target Field again. Why would I go down there? That junk that they're throwing at us, and they're trying to, like, you know, kind of mask it as we're a good ball. They're not. They're not. Look at that team. Their best player has yet to play 100 games since, what, 2016, 17? I don't think he's ever played 100 games Once. in a season. Once, Once maybe. I was 100 and... 101? 117, 127, something like that. Maybe 137. It was a good year. And I, I love him. I think he's absolutely amazing. But, you know, you got to look at it in terms of who is delivering. Who gets it done? Who's healthy? Why are these guys hurt? Do they, do they play that way? What is it? I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm throwing oh, it out there. I, you're right. I have zero faith in this front office. Negative, negative one. Well, it's a joke. I mean, like the record speaks for itself. Yeah. You know, they, they clearly have no feel in terms of lineup or, or, or bullpen. They're clearly spitting it out on a computer sheet and they're looking at who, uh, analytics. Yeah. It's not, it's not working. It ain't working. Do you think Dusty Baker used analytics? I'm going to guess no. Okay. I'd be wrong. I think we, I think we went through it and from what we were aware of, we think we counted three teams maybe. You know, Houston one way with it, and then Houston not with it. But they cheated. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, so that sure. was that one. Throw that one out. So let's say two to three, four teams that are known analytics like hounds, where they just live off it, have won a World Series since like '01. So just please bring the game back because <laughs> they lost me. I don't. I can't even watch it anymore. Will be interesting to see. Uh... Oh, you got through four and a third. He pitched 68 pitches, and we got to pull him because he's going to go through the second time. <laughs> so you're telling me that Griffin Jacks is going to come out and do better for like the 98th time, like a record? I mean, he, he was warming up constantly. Yeah. I can't believe that guy didn't break. I was impressed. <laughs> uh, then you watch a guy like Elvis Presley down in Houston saving games and winning a World Series that could be here. <laughs> Elvis Presley. Oh, I love that guy. He was good here. He was. He, he had was no good. reason to go. But he's gone. Apparently, that's the twins' it's a, way. Apparently, it's Bill Belichick's formula with Twins baseball. <laughs> okay, I don't want to be like harsh on that whole situation, but you know, let's call it out. It's kind of you know has nothing to do with what we're talking about uh, in high school hockey, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're getting lit up with the emails there. What's going on? I gotta gotta mute my computer. Yeah, it's been uh, what are they? Busy. 
It's the uh, the U Sports Plus info inbox. Uh oh, what's not streaming? Uh, no, I think it was something about the Cake Eater Classic here. So oh, you might want to take a peek at that when you can. We'll take a time out when we come back. <laughs> when we come back, we'll have more as the Overtime Podcast continues from the Meta Sports League studios. Once again, it's going to be Sean Bloomfield of the Chanhassen Storm. Man needs meat. Youngins especially need meat. But you can't send nippers to school with a T-bone in their pocket. So arm them with Jack Link's Beef Sticks. It's a tasty protein treat that says, Grow, you good thing. Plus, it's gluten and MSG free, which should please just about every mom, except the vegetarians. So if you're fed up with seeing mice bites out of their packed lunch, get the beef stick out. Jack Links, feed your wild side. We bring on our guest, Sean Bloomfield, of course, the head coach of the Chanhassen Storm. His team came off a really nice campaign last year. They became what I would call the darlings, at least, of MNHockey.tv. We have absolutely loved this club, and they've been a lot of fun to work with. And watching this team grow has been really uh, fantastic. 19-6-1 last year they were. And, uh, Sean, you had a really good hockey club. And, you know, you're not a secret anymore, as you guys have really – turned it up a notch and everybody's paying attention to your team so congratulations to that and thanks for joining us here today yeah thanks for having me on pete and the, and the nice words about last season it was, a, it was a fun group and we're excited for this coming year you know you've got some challenges obviously you've got kids that play at the chaska chan has an um uh, youth program we see it with osseo and maple grove and uh, you know, you basically take groups that have grown up and in, in some instances you split them. I know some kids will say, well, you know, we're all going here. Or we're all going here. If it's a, a specific, a specifically close class, maybe they open a role, maybe they don't. But what kind of challenges is, does it bring? I mean, I think there's some positive and negative for having a large organization like that that gets split in half. Yeah, it's, you know what, I've been, and, and I coached for nine years at Chaska too. So I'm pretty familiar with the uh, I guess the association and how it all kind of boils down. And it, it really goes in waves. I, I kind of compare it to the Lakeville situation yeah. uh, where they have the two high schools and, and it kind of ebbs and flows between which school is getting uh, the more of the kids each year. Um, I, I kind of enjoy it, to be honest, as a high school coach. Uh, it, it really forces us to, to make sure that we're building the right culture where uh, kids want to come and play. And obviously we have a couple of private schools in the area too, Um that that a good amount of players from our association choose to go to so it's it's really fun and, and i love it when both high schools especially both public high schools chaska and chanhassen are both at their best uh and it, it makes for really fun games during the season it makes for fun uh atmosphere and and it makes both teams better well you, you obviously playoffs are going to bring their own vibe right they're going to be what they're going right. to be and they're they're they, they, there's no they speak for themselves so that game that you had with them last year at the community center, Chaska, was absolutely awesome. And, you know, I think the building was probably two to three times code to what could have been. Don't tell anybody. But, I, it was, but, the, but the energy was real. And rivalries do matter. And um, you could really, really feel it there. And then you go through your regular season games with them. What, you had the 3-2 game. You, you opened the season with that. So talk about coming out of the shoot hot. And then you had a 4-2 game uh, later on in the year. And then your playoff game was another one-goal game. So close. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people right now are looking to your team to being able to kind of, like, push over the top with what you have, what's returning, and, and what it looks like. How do you feel your team's going to do this year, not only against Chaska, but just overall? Yeah, well, to start with the with the Chaska Chan games, it's that rivalry. What we found those that have that have kind of been paying attention is that it doesn't really matter how each team is throughout the season. Those games are going to be close, and crazy things are going to happen. I think it was maybe eight years ago or so. There was a. Uh, five on three, Chaska had a five on three. And right as the captain of Chaska was about to take the shot, the lights went out in the building. And and the, the lights come back on and the puck's in the net. It's just wild things like happen, seem to happen every couple of years. And it's a great atmosphere. So I think the, the energy creates a really, a really close and tight game, regardless of how each team's doing. So uh, we knew Chaska would be a strong team last year. And, and we were pretty confident in ourselves. So uh, going in that first game, it was, it was just a, a fun environment that I think, well, 
a lot of our team last year were sophomores, right? And then, and then even those who played high school as freshmen and then those, those juniors on the team last year who played high school as sophomores for the first year, the year before that was a COVID year. So coming into a first game like that, most of the guys on our varsity team had not played in front of a crowd larger than their parents and, and, a, and a few friends. Uh, so I think it was a little bit eye-opening, but it was a trial by fire run. And uh, I think it made us better in the long run. Now this year, uh, I think those Chaska-Chan games, I expect them to be about the same. Um, we're certainly getting a lot of a lot of attention on our team right now, which, uh, you know, obviously comes with its – it's exciting, but at the same time, it means we're probably not going to surprise anybody anymore this year, which uh, I think is, is a little bit, you know, to a lesser extent, the Edina effect. Those Edina teams are always so good because the kids coming up through the Edina program know every single game they're going to get the other team's best, and that's what we're hoping for this year. Well, and, you know, I think there is something to be said about uh, having the, the target and those types of things. And growing up in the Chaska-Chan program, a lot of those kids were in Wee AA, Bantam AA type state tournament um, experiences. And you get used to it. And I've always said, having been in Edina for as long as I was, that it's a badge of honor that if people bring you their A-plus game every night because they want to beat you, it means you're good. And that's yeah, uh, exactly. th- that's the ultimate compliment. And I, I, I think it's fair to say that, you know, you play Minnetonka, no longer are you going into a Minnetonka game, and it's like, okay, you know, let's just hang in there and see what we get. Now you have Minnetonka really thinking, you know what, this is a team that we need to beat, and it's going to be hard. And I think when, when you have hard games like that and you're hard to play against, um, that's the ultimate compliment your club can have. And I'm seeing it happen. So it's been fun to watch. In that process, what is it that you think has been – obviously, it's, you know, it takes a while to get a program going, right? You know, what was it like? What year was the first team? It's not even 20 years yet, right? For, for Chanhassen? Yeah. Yeah, so the first year of the split, let's see, the Chanhassen High School uh, was built in the fall of 2009. It opened. Yeah, so 10 um, years. And then, for, and then the first year, at least, I think it was the first year uh, they, they stayed combined. It was one high school team. Uh, and then so that next year, the 2011 graduates would have been that first senior class at Chanhassen. Okay, so I had the 11-12 thought in my mind. So like, so you're just only a decade in on this. And, you know, it takes time to to, to build and, and, and get that thing going. But what do you think has been the biggest turning point in terms of being 19-6-1 as opposed to 6-19-1? Well, I think it honestly, and sort of you mentioned uh, coming up through the youth program, a group of guys who want to play together and stick together in high school. And uh, that's what happened in, in Chasco when I was there uh, kind of from 2015 to 20. Well, really last year, uh, it was a group of guys that came up and they continued to want to stick together. And then at Chanhassen, they had that group. They had a couple grades worth of that group that are coming through right now. Um and, and a lot of credit has to go to the coaching staff before me um, because last year was just my first year there. So, so being able to provide an environment where kids wanted to come play. Another thing is those guys wanted to come to Chanhassen because a lot of them, at least at the time of their decision, played multiple sports. And so they wanted to play for the Chanhassen football team. They wanted to play for Chanhassen baseball or Chanhassen tennis. Uh, so it, it's pretty fun to, to know that guys are coming. They're sticking together. They're all good hockey players, but they all just like being a part of the school community. So you've got, you know, I, I'm around a lot of teams, and um, there's a there, there's this kind of a way I look at how things feel. And when you're in and around your room and how you run things, there's a what I would term a really can-do environment where you, you, you sort of have this, you know, I, I've observed that you've created this uh, culture of, I had a sneeze there. Sorry. That was wild. I mean, I, I hit mute on my button. You probably heard me on my phone, but I took the big breath and people are playing going, the guy's, everybody's going, the, the guy's tipping over. We know he's a fossil and carries a couple extra, but let's be honest here. No, but, but there's a, there's a can do culture that you have uh, where it feels like, you know, we're pro about what we do and it feels that way down around your room. And it feels like the kids really gravitate toward that and accept that. Is that just you being you or is that an environment that you provide or both? 
Uh, a, a little bit of both. I think uh, one of the biggest things I learned my first nine, 10 years of coaching is that culture is number one. You, you really have to, you hear it from guys like PJ Fleck, right? All the time that the culture is important. And um, it, it really is actually, you, you have to make sure that the guys are buying into each other first into the program and then everything else, you know, the X's and O's can come after that. Um, so part of that is, is the locker room culture. Part of that is making sure that the coaching staff is all on the same page as well. Uh, leading by example, making sure that, that we're communicating with the players the way that we want to do. And, and ultimately it boils down to as coaches, we're teachers really. Uh, and I come from an education background, so that's, that's easy for me and, and multiple uh, coaches on our staff are the same way, but we want to make sure that we have guys in our, in our coaches room there that are really treating this like a, like a teaching job. And, and I think the players appreciate that after the relationships that are built. And honestly, like players are different now, right? It's, yeah. it's they're not necessarily, and I'm not saying that you can't be hard on them. And, and quite honestly, a lot of players want you to be hard on them, but you have to go about it the right way in order for them to buy it. Because you're on the verge of teetering between losing them too. It's a fine line. And, um, yeah, yeah. you have to, you have to kind of be hard, but you can't lose it. It's, it's, I, I get it. It's, it's, uh, you have to feather it is what I would say. Yeah. You have to be hard and show that you care. And then that's why you're hard on them. Right. But um, that you still love you them. have to pick your moments too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it all starts with day one. It starts with building relationships with whether it's a new player on the team or last year when I came in and, uh, I knew a few of the players just from, from breakaway Academy and, uh, even more just from following through the, the youth association here. Um, but a lot of them, I didn't have really strong relationships with. So that's when I got the job, um, about a year and a half ago. Now, my first point of order in, in our STP training was just start building relationships with these guys and getting to know them and making sure that they know that I care about them as people first. Well, they're lucky then if they have that environment and, uh, that's what this is all about. Let's turn to your schedule now. What a fun way to start over uh, Thanksgiving weekend. You open with the defending state champion Andover Huskies uh, at the Pagel Activity Center. And then you follow that up with a Rochester Mayo team that a lot of people have said, I don't think they're under the radar because everybody's talking about them. Many think that that Mayo team has the potential to be a section finalist uh, for the 1AA, which uh, would, would be great for hockey to get that, you know, someone. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with, 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 the, with the Lakeville North-South rivalry. Uh, you know, we know Farmington snuck their nose in there uh, for a year. But it is, I, I think Southeastern Minnesota has kind of been the forgotten about part of the, the state. And I'm glad they can come up and play you guys in this environment. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously a lot of our team has the Andover game circled um, both because it's the first game of the year and, and because of their success last year, but uh, we're really excited as a whole group about both games to start the year off like that. It's an earlier start. I don't, we, a lot of teams have this, the, these games over the Thanksgiving break. Uh, we did not last year. Uh, so we're kind of having to change some things up in terms of our structure of the first week and a half of practice um, but it's really exciting. We're, we're uh, Monday. We're jumping right into things and, and we can't wait. Well, I love the rest of your schedule too. Then you have the likes of, uh, I'm intrigued. Uh, I want to call that Sartell St. Stephen game. I want to see what they're about. Uh, they've, they've been really good over the years. I don't know where they're at right now, but I'm looking forward to that. Looks like at what that looks like. You got Minnetonka in there. Uh, you've got a little prior Lake Rosemont action, some Lakeville South. And then we head off into, uh, the holiday, uh, classic, as I mentioned that with Rosemont Lake. Lakeville South St. Louis Park. This is your first year in that. Had you played in uh, traditional uh, Christmas tournaments in the past? So for Chanhassen last year, we were in uh, we were in Shakopee, which was nice and close for us, just right across the river. Um, and and we won our first two games of that. And then uh, that Shakopee team, I'll tell you, they're they're an up and coming program, and I know a lot of people know about that. But man, do they play hard, and they frustrated the heck out of our guys, and and they took it to us and beat us in a, in a tight. I can't remember if it was a two to one or or a three to two or th maybe three to one with an empty netter game. Um, and that was an awesome experience for our team as frustrating as it was because you need those setbacks during the year to learn. Right. And we were kind of riding high. We had just tied Minnetonka in a great game before that. Uh, and then won those first two games of the, of the Christmas tournament. So it was, uh, those games are good. That's what we want out of these games. And, and you just have to know in high school hockey, if you learn anything, 
it's that you can't take a night off. It doesn't matter who the opponent is or, or what their background is or what their record is. Uh, anybody can beat anybody if, if they're having the right game and the other team's having the wrong game. Well, and, you know, it's, it's the saying goes in my book is you've got to lose before you win. Uh, you have to, you have to deal some heartbreak and, you know, I mean, some teams can do it, but it's pretty rare and, uh, it, it makes you learn and it gives you the chance to do that. When you look at yourself as a coach and and what you've learned over the years, you know, a lot of these players, uh, will move on and play and the majority won't, uh, what is your perspective in blending the kids that, you know, I've been asking this question to other coaches, you know, we've kind of got a, um, I need to get mine mentality these days, you know, like, so if a guy, if a guy commits to a, a cl- hockey, a college team and someone else thinks they should be too, they get a little panicky and you, know, you kind of manage that part of it. So how do you manage the guys that are just enjoying the high school experience saying, man, this is the, this is the peak for me. This is what I want. How do you manage those guys into the group that are looking for more? Yeah, I think that's kind of always been a thing in high school hockey. Uh, It's obviously a little bit more pronounced now with advisors and and, uh, commitments being all over social media. But really, it's just making sure that, number one, you're providing an environment where everybody wants to get better as a group, right, where you're playing for each other and, and you're all working to improve whether that's a, a JV player or a varsity player or, or a guy who they may be leaving early the next year, you don't know. You just want to make sure that they're all developing both as an individual to where they want to get and then as a person. Um, so, so we've got, we've got uh, the whole gamut with, with this program this year. Um, honestly, I don't really see it as too much of a challenge for us. And, and part of it is I'm not hearing, I'm not at home hearing uh the, the concerns of the of the parents and, and the kids all the time and I'm not at school with them hearing them talking to each other in the hallways but but I know our group of guys the number one thing that that I want to make sure and I even do this when I look at our game film I, you know every game I watch over obviously our power play our penalty kill our goals for our goals against uh, those are the things that I you know most coaches are going to keep an eye on but for every goal that we score and every goal that the other team scores I always pan that video camera uh, that you guys have Thank you. towards our bench <laughs> oh, plug there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I always pan it to the bench our bench to see how our guys are reacting um, if it's a if it's a goal for example if it's a goal that a a swing line guy gets a chance to score. I want to see how those other guys that may be a little bit nervous about his playing time, how do they react? Are they cheering him on? Uh, are they patting him on the back? Are they excited for the team? Are they excited for their buddy? Or are they starting to sulk? Are they starting to get nervous? Uh, and same thing if, if the other team scores a goal against us, I want to see how we react. How are we able to jump right back into it? So those are kind of the informative things. And, and if I see something I don't like, they're, they're high schoolers, right? They're, every kid is going to make mistakes. There's a lot of emotions involved in just being a high schooler in general and then adding in playing a competitive sport. Uh, that's when you have that one-on-one conversation with them or, or you call a couple of them in and, and you just remind them what we're all doing this for. And it's, it's to be great individuals, uh, to be a great hockey team, and then to ultimately reach whatever goals you want to reach, whether that's hockey or otherwise. Wow, uh, that's uh, that's impressive, and um, what 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 a great thing to do. And then I do want to talk on the visual, and I'm not doing it as a plug, but um, y- you know, it's it's something for me that I I didn't think would. Uh, I'm, how do I say it? So when I was in Dallas, we did video for the stars, and it was satellite dishes on the practice facility. Uh, Bob Ganey would be like, okay, I need uh, Detroit's next five games in Colorado because that's who they were duking it out with. And then I need all these things. And then we just manually edit those. And, right. then, and, then, and then you fast forward to um, now where that was just very few NHL teams were doing that in 1993. And that, so that's that's crazy. And then you fast forward to now where we are just kind of streaming stuff. And now there's these coaching tools that you have. Like our cameras and our tools are in NHL buildings right now being utilized. Not all, but eventually. And you have an NHL coaching tool, which is great. But what have you found that video is bringing? To me, it seemed overwhelming. You know, I'm, I've just like rewinded myself to my life and coaching and going, oh, my God, I, I can't do this. How has that changed how you coach and how much does it play into what you do? I'm not asking you to pitch for the product or anything. I'm just more getting into uh, technology and how it's changing the game. Yeah, I, I... 
I think it's really valuable as long as you use it the right way. Uh, we record a lot of our practices and, and not that we go back and watch each practice, but there's so many times in a practice where you're watching and you see something and then it's gone. It happened. So to be able to go back and find that is extremely valuable. Um, and then in games, honestly, I think the biggest thing for us, uh, a lot of coaches for at least a decade, uh, probably maybe a little bit less, but, uh, four or five, seven, eight years have been able to go back and watch games pretty regularly if, if you're a high school hockey coach, but being able to watch it between periods has, has kind of been a new step because, uh, sometimes watching after the game can be too late. Uh, and those, those intermissions go fast, but if there's something that we want to see back, we can, we can go and look at it as a staff, whether we're on the road or at home. And obviously, uh, last year, the, the number of arenas that, that had those video cameras was a lot less than it is now this year. Um, but just being able to, to look at that in real time, it's super valuable as a teaching tool. That's, again, everything that I look at is, is how do we look at this as a teachable moment and as a teaching tool? And how can we better the kids and, and obviously the growth of the whole team as a whole? That is uh, fantastic, and that's that's stepping up into what we need to do. And um, I think overall, if I would have had the ability, if I know I would have looked a certain way that I couldn't see, but a coach was telling you, and you're so convinced, but no, I'm not. I was there. Well, no, you're not. Here's where you, you know, and, and that's just how many times it, it, I think it can really exact change that. situation happens multiple times. Mm -hmm. I mean, it happens all the time, but being able to have that conversation is huge. Well, it's not that they're in denial. It's just that the game is going so fast and, and you think you might be there. That's the big thing I've noticed is I know you may think, but look at this. You're, you're not close. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm right. not. Yeah, yeah, I'm, and, and I'm not ripping right. you, but I'm just saying, you know, you're just not. <laughs> So, but that's a really, really good part about, about the product. So, uh, when you get into tryouts, uh, they're obviously coming up. This has got to be a really tough thing for you. You know, there's some kids that might not play. Uh, I don't know what, how many are, are trying out for your team, but this has got to be a very tough time for you as a coach. Cause nobody wants to say no to anybody. It, it's the worst part about being a high school hockey coach. Um, and, and I know, I know that I'm not the only one in the state that, that thinks that either. Um, if I, on one hand, I love that the game is continuing to grow and I, and I love that a lot of kids want to play and want to play high school hockey, but at the same time, selfishly, I wish we had 40 kids try out every year. <laughs> that, yeah, would be, right. that would be ideal for me. And, and some years in my coaching career, it's happened. And then there's some years where it hasn't. So um, it's a really tough conversation. It, it really stinks. Uh, to be honest, I start that in the fall with my parent and then my player meetings, just letting them know that, look, unfortunately we just, we can't take everybody this year. Um, and, and here's how many we're going to be able to take and here's how many we're not. And, uh, if you're not one of those selected, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean you're going to be unsuccessful in life. It's just right now on this hockey team. Uh, we had to make a decision and, and this is it. And, and we meet with each player that, that we don't take. And when well, we meet with each player in general to tell them where they are, uh, I already mentioned this in this interview here that high school is hard enough for these kids. Um, so the last thing that we want to do is play mind games with them or, or tell them that they're there when they're not or, or anything like that. So uh, number one in any of these situations is honesty uh, and, and I know that honest, honesty isn't always what these kids or, or even some of their parents want to hear. But at the end of the day, I, I think it's the only way to go. Uh, you, you can't go wrong in the long run with honesty. Uh, communication and honesty is a big deal, and it obviously makes a difference. So, all right, we'll be talking hockey uh, with you when that actually starts. So I'll be catching up with you. I'll be at the uh, Pagel Activity Center for that first weekend on the game. So uh, we'll be grabbing some sound from you uh, to talk about your kids, maybe grab a couple kids and put them on the podcast as well, uh, which is always a fun thing to do. So uh, be a blast. Uh, we're looking forward to working with you as always. You guys are awesome, and uh, your team's a lot of fun. Good energy and one of the best environments for those of you that want to go out and enjoy a good night of hockey for what 10 bucks or less there's nothing better than to go to the victoria uh, recreation center west rink when the chanhassen storm are playing they do it right so uh enjoy yourselves all great hockey coming and uh sean thanks for joining the show today yeah thanks again for having me pete that's sean bloomfield the head coach of the chanhassen storm back with more right after this man needs meat Youngins especially need meat, but you can't send nippers to school with a T-bone in their pocket. 
So arm them with Jack Link's Beef Sticks. It's a tasty protein treat that says, Grow, you good thing. Plus, it's gluten and MSG free, which should please just about every mom, except the vegetarians. So if you're fed up with seeing mice bites out of their packed lunch, get the beef stick out. Jack Links, feed your wild side. And we welcome you back to the Meta Sports League studios along with Matt Harrington. I'm Pete Wagner. The Overtime Podcast continues. And once again, we like to uh, remind you that this is presented in part by Jack Links. What is... Give me the tag. Let's uh, go. Steak strips so thick Bang. and tender, they deserve their own slow jam. Right. Uh, I, um, that's, they are steak strips. They're tender. They're very incredible. Flavorful. What's, what's your favorite go-to? Ooh, honestly, I'm a big original fan. Just the original straight beef jerky. Really? I like, Classic. The, I like the black peppered. That's a good choice as well. Mm-hmm. Can't mm-hmm. go wrong. I'm not so sure if I'm big on the tender bites. You know, the kind of square. I, I like kind of the... The old school, rugged. Right, yeah, yeah. Like I say, leave it in the car, warm it up a little bit, kind of make it a little softer. There you go. Melts in your mouth. <laughs> SLP Nutrition. Check them out at SLP underscore nutrition. They're on Instagram and Twitter, along with a little Facebook. They might not, are they, are they on Twitter? No, they're not on Twitter. I don't think so. No, Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, they're working that angle. Great shakes. I wanted to go there today, but Alex was getting a little bit lazy today, so I couldn't get my shake and tea, <laughs> and I was going to rock it in here, but I couldn't do that. That'll be later. Um, and then also, of course, the Meta Sports League, and we're in the Meta Sports League studios. They've got their hockey project called the Meta Buttes. You can check it out at uh, Todd is at metabutes.io. Boom. Okay, there you go. And that thing's coming to life beautifully. And uh, we now have another interview for you. This is with a league which is really making an impact in the fall, especially Red Black League with Joe Pankratz, who's the head coach of the uh, Prior Lake Lakers. He also was a star at Bloomington Jefferson, played some college hockey as well. Just an overall great guy. He's got a great concept. Let's check out with Panky and hear what he had to say. We continue along on the Overtime Podcast as we're joined by Joe Pankratz. He's the head coach of the Prior Lake Lakers as he's preparing for the upcoming season. He just got out of the season with the Red and Black League, and we're here to talk about that, which is a league that's having a great impact of the game of hockey. And uh, Joe obviously is a visionary and has created this league and has something outstanding with it going on right now. And we want to kind of promote that a little bit more and get people engaged with this great product you have, Joe. So thanks for taking your time out of the busy day to talk a little bit of uh, the Red and Black with us. Thanks, Wags. Good to be with you. So, tell me how did how did how did this? What's the genesis of this whole deal? How did it get started? So, this league started. So, I've been coaching high school hockey now for thirteen years, and it started around. Well, the idea came up around two thousand thirteen. The actual the idea for the league came from a guy named Brian Hansen, who is um, still heavily involved. He's kind of we call him the godfather, the commissioner of the Red Black League. But he it was his idea back in 2013, and he brought it. And, you know, the idea behind it was at that time, I'll say personally for me, when I started coaching high school hockey in Prior Lake, our kids had very limited options. You know, our talent pool at that time and, you know, 2010 around – or right around 2010 was, you know, it, it wasn't the most talented pool of players we had here. Um, and – our kids really had no options to play in the fall. So you're trying to get better. You're trying to get your, your program better, but your kids don't have much of an opportunity to, to play and touch a puck and play in games, you know, outside of a few, you know, league fall leagues that were out there that were basically goon fest and fighting. And it's just a, you know, kind of disaster fall leagues. So Brian Hansen had this idea, you know, and he had a son who's now playing, um, you know, minor pro hockey, but his kid was coming along at that time. And, and he'd have an opportunity, you know, to play in the elite league or, you know, some of the other leagues that were available for, you know, for that small percentage of high school players. Um, so the idea behind it was we need a better league for more kids whose goal is to play varsity hockey. Um, you know, a, a well-run professional league, taking out the fighting, taking out the goon stuff, taking out the cheap shots, um, a league that helps in their development and getting them ready for, um, you know, the possibility of playing varsity hockey one day, whether it's that next winter or two winters down the road, um, just a, an opportunity for the kids to improve in a, in a professionally run league. And that's what we created. And we've been around now since 2014 and we've had 
kids from all over, you know, if on our website, there's kids from pretty much every high school program, you know, in one way or the other, you know, we've had some really high end kids that have played with us as ninth graders or sophomores. And then they move on to bigger and better things, whether it's elite league or before and after juniors and, you know, different things like that. But we've had some, some really high end kids and we've had some kids that have played for four years um, who end up being, you know, some of their top varsity players in their, at their high schools. And, it's just been a really neat uh, development experience for a lot of these kids, and it gives them a good place to play hockey in the spring and the fall. How many players do you have, let's say today, roughly, uh, compared to when it first started? The first year we had six teams. I think it was six teams. We ended up putting six teams together that first year, um, and that was just a fall league the first year, and now we have the spring and the fall, and uh, – I think this fall we had 42 teams. So the, you know, it's, it's grown in popularity, you know, it's, it's crazy. And then we also um, started the girls league because there's, you know, the same needs were there for the girls and Dave Palmquist, you know, I think a lot of people know him as kind of a legend of girls hockey in Minnesota. He is our girls director and, and he wholeheartedly believes in having another option for these girls to be able to play, you know, the same as, we started the boys league with that, that mindset and, and he's grown the girls league. And I think we're all, we're up to six teams now. And this is their you know, going into their, you know, they've just completed their second year um, being part of the red black. You know, I got to just say a quick comment on Dave. We, we did his game up in uh, Hermantown against um, the, uh, the Mirage, uh, Proctor Hermantown girls. And uh, we'll be hearing from him and Emma Stauber in this program as well. But the interesting thing is, is, is how, mature his team played and they might not have been the most uh, 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 old of teams. So you can't have a better guy than him to do it because his team played hockey and they played it absolutely perfect. Even though they didn't get the result they wanted, it was just really, really a great game played by all. So you've got a great leader on the girls side of things in terms of getting involved. Do I try out for this league? Do you have tiers? How are you working that as you grow? Yep, we have tryouts every year. So we've got a trial for the spring league, which is in after obviously after the high school season. So the tryout is late March. And then for our fall league, the trial will be at the end of, in July. Um, and we have a North Metro division. We have a South Metro division. And then we have a Heartland division that we kind of combine with our North Metro division. But we've got kids from Alexandria, Brainerd, uh, from all over the heartland area um but yes there's a trial process um and then players that are in the league uh you know this fall we'll send out invites to the to the players that were already in the league so they're going to have the first opportunity to play and then we'll go through the trial process to fill the remaining spots that we have for that season um but yeah there is a trial process to get engaged in the trial process is there something on your website or is that uh, uh, invite only from coach to your group? How are you managing that part of the process? The trial process is open to anybody. So for our high school league, it's ninth through ninth grade through seniors. Um, anybody can try out. Uh, it's it's on the website under the registration. They can go on there and you know fill out the trial registration, and and then they'll be a part of that process. Um, and that's the same for our girls and it's you know the boys north south metro and in the heartland and then we also have the bannerman peewee league which is in the fall um and that's been going on for we've had that league for six years a guy named matt sarter runs our he's our commissioner of our of our youth league and he's awesome guy does an awesome job uh he's i think he had eight bannerman teams last year and six peewee teams last year and I think he's going to go eight and eight this, this coming fall. So yeah, it's a little bit of everything. So you, you've been around hockey your entire life, obviously. And you coach the high school team. You have the red black league as well. And then you also do propel hockey camps. So there's been, you know, a multitude of things that you've seen in the game, successes, uh, the highs, the lows, everything that comes in between. When you look out at this league and, and how it's grown from six to 42 teams, and it's going to continue to expand, what do you? What is the the best thing that you, as a hockey coach, hockey person, have garnered from this experience? I think the biggest thing, and I know I wouldn't be the only one to say it, is for people to let the process play out. Everybody develops at a different level, but if you have a passion for it, 
if you have the willingness to work at it. Um, you know, as a high school coach now for 14 years, I love going into my 14th year. I have kids that make my varsity team, and, you know, we've got a good program in Prior Lake, but I've got kids who will make the varsity team as a senior who, if you asked me as a sophomore, would they be on the varsity team as a senior? I would say no. They're, they're, they're wow. probably not going to make it, and they make it. So, you know, some kids peak early. Some kids peak late. Some kids stick with it. Some kids develop different interests outside of hockey. And so probably the biggest thing is if you got a passion for it, work at it. Keep getting better and, and see where it takes you. And, you know, that's uh, – it's held true. You know, and I've been coaching now for 25 years, and, and that's never changed. So – stick with it that's fantastic so it takes people like yourself leaders in roles that you have in the hockey community that can continue to expand and extend the offerings for players to continue to first of all enjoy it have fun and then feel the uh, benefits of improvement and then make that varsity team that you thought there's no way and here they are today which is incredible and that's a memory and an experience and a process that I think players can take with them wherever they go the rest of their lives I think one more thing that's really important to kind of touch on here too is I think sometimes the hockey community the basketball the volleyball community whatever it may be feels as though there's a formula from which you go to get to the levels you need to go you need to play on this team in this season on that age level over there in this part of the country that might not necessarily be the case, right? And, you know, that's a lot what this addresses too. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it definitely is. It, yeah. There's all different, different avenues. I mean, probably the biggest thing and maybe to highlight it one more time is, you know, there, there weren't a lot of options for honestly, probably 90 plus percent of the high school hockey players, you know, a very small percentage are going to be in the elite league. And then there weren't a lot of options for them. And, you know, these kids, they need to play games. They got to touch pucks. They got to be in real live situations. Obviously the weight room is important. Um, training off the ice is important for them in the off season. You know, as high school players, you have nine months to get better. Um, so you have to do that, but you can't play 25 games or, you know, the max is 31, but you can't play 25 games in high school, just strength train and do off ice stuff in the summer and expect to get better in the game situation. So that's where I think our league, well, I've seen it, you know, for nine years now, players that play some games, um, playing the league and, and get out there and touch a puck in real life game situations, develop confidence um, from scoring goals. And again, we're a no, we're a no check league. So we don't have injuries in the off season. Huge. Um, so the huge, it's massive. I can't, Yeah. you know, as a high school coach, you know, we do some of these summer tourneys in the summer, every summer a kid's out with an injury two three months from just, you know, someone getting cheap shotted or a knee sticking out or whatever it is. And, you know, of course we can't stop all injuries, you know, even sure. in a no check league, but it definitely reduces it. So the kids are out there touching the puck playing, you know, it's higher level type shinny hockey and it's, it's really big for their development. Boy, that's fantastic. Check them out. Redblackhockey.com. Uh, we will have videos within our games for you guys to see exactly what this is like and uh, suggest each and every one of you head to that website, redblackhockey.com. Joe Pankratz, the man. Uh, thank you for joining us here and chatting about this, and we wish you the best of the luck with the league and in the immediate future, the Prior Lake Lakers. We'll be doing a Coach's Corner with you coming up uh, sometime this winter on our Inside the Bubble Hockey program as well. So we're looking forward to catching up with you there as well. Awesome. Thanks, Wags. Thanks, buddy. Here we go. We're going to wrap it up here, Matt. we got a lot to cover, though, as far as what is on the docket. First of all, the Care 11 games of the week, we could have been happier with those. Yeah, uh, I think they've, they've been really good. good. It's been fun, and uh, I think we've really picked some good ones. And, you know, we're not just sticking to the Metro. We have the uh, flexibility, and we're nimble where we can move around the uh, great state of Minnesota to see some great hockey and bring it into your living rooms where maybe you wouldn't see it. It's available on demand. You can get it on our uh, YouTube page at uh, MN Hockey TV on YouTube. You can also get it on CARE 11, uh, the CARE 11 streaming app. By the way, have you watched the Inside the Bubble on CARE 11 Plus? I have. Sure have. Does it feel surreal? It's pretty, pretty incredible. What have you learned about it doing that show? It's a lot of work, <laughs> you know. I don't. I think you guys can can all You're agree right. uh, for thirty minutes of airtime. But it's been been a blast. I think uh, you've mentioned this before, and I have as well. But I think much needed for the high school hockey world mm -hmm. and deserved. 
And um, it's been fun to sort of tell these different stories and, and look at all these highlights. And I hope the players and the fans enjoy it as well. It's easy to sit here behind a microphone and opine about everybody and everything. Anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't hard. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's easy to sit here and take pot shots at the Twins front office when you're not in it. Right, right. Right. Um, but when you have the assets that we do peppered throughout the state of Minnesota for hockey, it makes a lot of sense to be able to really leverage those, to utilize them. There's also a tool that's uh, available uh, or going to be on our website from the Prospect Exchange. Individual players, it's never too late to get it because all your games are being cut. Mm -hmm. Wherever our cameras are, your games, every single shift, every shift is being cut. You know where the games are. There's a lot of them. And almost every one of you players are going to be playing in one of these buildings once, twice, three times. Maybe six over your career or more. So uh, you can purchase that for uh, 175 bucks as an individual. If your team purchase, 50, purchases as a group, 15 or more, you get it for 99 bucks. You get all of your shifts, all of your goals, hits, block shots, turnovers. Uh, forced turnovers, entries, exits, uh, all of it uh, is is part of that. Goaltenders, same thing. And you can build yourself either a highlight reel just for personal use, or you can build yourself a recruiting profile. Within the prospect exchange, you have the ability to communicate with all the junior and college coaches. And don't forget the NHL scouts are all over that thing too as well. Over 12,000 players have profiles right now. It's pretty incredible. Why wouldn't you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if at the very least you're not going to do much after high school, you've got the ability to make some memories. For sure. So that's exciting. We've got a huge weekend at the Tonka Thanksgiving preview. I'm going to be there. As we mentioned earlier in the show, Phil Stark's going to be up at the Turkey Trot up in uh, YZ, taking care of those games. I mean, Edina Maple Grove, I think we'll learn what Edina has. Did not put them in their care 11 top 11. Uh, some folks were not happy about that. Why? From what I've heard. but Why? Uh, I don't know. Just think there's you know, a lot I, of attention on that Hornet club. I'm a homer. No late conference bias here. I'm a homer, right? I'm an Edina guy. That's what everybody <laughs> says, and I don't put them in there. Now I'm just... Okay. <laughs> well, hey, they've got a chance well, to earn their way Think about in. why I didn't put them in there. Let's go there, shall we? Okay, you got a great goaltender. He's about 6'10", and he's terrific. <laughs> no, I think Robbie Klarkowski's fantastic. He's great. Uh, you go, okay, uh, Mason Nevers, Hurt. Don't know how long he's going to, or not Mason, sorry, Jackson Nevers, hurt. You know, I think he is, I felt, you know, when I saw him as a, as a 10th grader last year, he looks draftable to me. Just the way he plays, his size, his, his, his angles, his approach to the game, really good player. Hard to lose that. Gone are a lot of your defensemen. Jimmy Clark isn't back. That's a, that's a huge loss. I mean, loss. You're, you've got guys that have gone on, the Cronins of the world that are at St. Thomas and Ken. You're a little decimated uh, with what you had. If you want me to rank your team as a peewee double-A team for when they were peewees, sure, go for it. But that's not this team this year. Prove it, win, get in, and show me. And then you can get in the top 11. How hard is that? As you always say, just win, maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, and I'm not I'm not saying that. You know, when you look at their record over the past three years, it's been a little over 500. It hasn't been stupendous. They play a tough schedule. But the teams that are in the top five win those games. Mm-hmm. They're not. They win some. So tell me there's bias. I don't see any. Minnetonka is loaded. They're stacked. Wyzetta is now loaded. Like, seriously, those two, Eden Prairie, do not sleep on Teddy Townsend. You can't. You know who's a sleeper addition? Who? It's going to take him the year to become really a problem is Stillwater. Uh, they're young. I mean, when I say they're young, their insane talent is young from the Bantams. Those guys were good. For sure. So uh, Greg Zanin's doing some incredible things over there, but watch out for them. I, I do have my eye on Moorhead. We'll see what shakes down with what they've got back and how that works for them, right? Mm-hmm. Andover, uh, really, you know, they, they've got the tools back. Uh, the only issue there is we don't know. He's probably great, but what's the goaltending going to be like? Maple going to be tough to tell. Maple Grove, same thing. Uh, what did they lose? What do they have back? Very good. All those teams are top five teams, and we need to see the other teams beat those teams. So if Edina wins against Maple Grove, 
my attention is had. If they <laughs> if, if if they win a game, if they have to play YZ, if that happens on Saturday, my attention's gained. If you lose one or both, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Right? Okay. Yep. So, what do you got for for uh, 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 games that you're doing this week on the mic? I'm trying to think. I, I know I've got, um, let's see here. Well, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I'll be on the mic for the uh, Hockey Night in Minnesota girls on Tuesday between Cloquet Carlton and Grand Rapids Greenway. That'll be uh, our, our free game, of course, through the K11 platforms, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. We're going to be heading up north again, Pete. Cloquet. Cloquet. You know who's going to be on the call with that? You know who's going with you? Who? Patrick. Really? Yeah, Patrick Lilia. Didn't know that. That's yeah, yeah. You're telling me now? It's on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's good stuff. So uh, he'll be on the call. He's very excited to do so. And have you called the game from in there? I have not. All right. You're on color. You know that. Okay. Did you know that? I did not. You do now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I'll probably be there standing over your shoulders, so it's all good. Uh, but that's going to be a lot of fun. And then the girls' game is what? Care 11. That is the girls' game. Oh, I'm sorry. What's the boys' game? Uh, that would be Edina and Benilde St. Margaret's. Mm, there it is. Uh, next Saturday. Then we'll see if they're a top 11 team. There you go. Okay, buddy. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much from the Meta Sports League studios for Matt Harrington, producer Todd Geisler, and Pete Wagner. Have yourself a great week. So long, everybody.